Hi, this is Pastor Joshua Morocco, and you are listening to our King's Central Podcast. I hope you get encouraged. I hope the Word of God brings transformation to your life and empowers you. Thank you so much for joining us. Enjoy the Word. Wow. Are you guys ready to get into the Word this morning? Come on, how many of you ready to get into the Word this morning? Well, it's a privilege to be here. Turn with me in your Bibles to the book of Mark, chapter 9, verse 14. Mark, chapter 9, verse 14. And this morning, I want to continue on with a series that we started this Wednesday. And of course, uh, Dave Reaver is going to be with us this next coming Wednesday. But then Pastor Shannon, my wonderful wife, will be preaching the Wednesday after that. And we're going to continue on with our Greater Than series. And Wednesday night, I started off with the series, God is Greater Than Your Heart. When your heart condemns you, the Bible says when your heart condemns you, God is greater than your heart. But this morning, I want us to look at Mark chapter 9, starting with verse 14, and let's read this together. When they came to the other disciples, they saw a large crowd around them and the teachers of the law arguing with them. As soon as all the people saw Jesus, they were overwhelmed with wonder and ran to greet him. What are you arguing with them about, he asked. The man in the crowd answered, teacher, I brought my son who is possessed by a spirit that has robbed him of speech. Whenever it seizes him, it throws him to the ground. He foams at the mouth, gnashes his teeth, and becomes rigid. I asked your disciples to drive out the spirit, but they could not. You unbelieving generation, Jesus replied. How long shall I stay with you? How long shall I put up with you? Bring the boy to me. So they brought him. When the spirit saw Jesus, it immediately threw the boy into convulsions. He fell to the ground and rolled around, foaming at the mouth. Jesus asked the boy's father, how long has he been like this? From childhood, he answered. It has often thrown him into the fire or water to kill him. But if you can do anything, take pity on us and help us. If you can, said Jesus, everything is possible for one who believes. Immediately the boy's father exclaimed, I do believe. Help me overcome my unbelief. When Jesus saw that a crowd was running to the scene, he rebuked the impure spirit. You deaf and mute spirit, he said. I command you, come out of him and never enter him again. The spirit shrieked, convulsed him violently and came out. The boy looked so much like a corpse that many said, he's dead. But Jesus took him by the hand and lifted him to his feet and he stood up. Lord, we pray. Let your presence be here this morning. Lord, open our ears to hear our hearts to receive that we may be changed by the power of your word. Lord, I pray, let us be encouraged, let us be inspired, but most importantly, Lord, let us be transformed by the renewing of our mind, that we may know you, that we may be all you called us to be, so we can do all you called us to do in Jesus' mighty name. And everybody said, amen and amen. You may be seated. The title of my message this morning, if you're taking notes, is God is greater than the impossible. Greater than the impossible. Everybody say, greater than the impossible. As we look at this very interesting story, and I want us to really extrapolate from this passage what is being said and what Christ is dealing with, there's a confrontation that happens. And it's a very unique confrontation 
because it, it begins with the disciples arguing with the chief priests and, and the Pharisees about what was happening, the religious leaders, and what was happening and how, what really happened with the boy and what's, what's taking place. And all of a sudden, Jesus steps in the scene. He's like, man, what's, what's going on? Let's deal with this issue. And can I tell you, for a lot of us, a lot of times what happens in our life is we, we spend more time arguing and debating with what should be happening. Miracles, signs and wonders, and, and trying so, I, I, maybe, maybe this is just me in my life, but these moments of trying to reason with the situations instead of taking authority over it. I'm going to say that again. Trying to reason with some of the things that are happening in our life, some of the dysfunctions, some of the attacks of the enemy, some of the impossible situations that we're facing. We spend more time trying to reason with it than take authority over it. And what I love is Jesus steps on the scene and he says, I know what needs to be done here. And he immediately goes beyond the reasoning and goes into taking authority over the situation. And he confronts this demonic spirit, but what happens is he confronts the unbelief and the issue with his disciples and with this argumentative thing that's taking place. And Jesus puts his finger, let me just say this real quick. Jesus puts his finger on really what's going on. And can I tell you what happens, and this is what I don't like about this passage, is it confronts some of the things in my life that's keeping me from stepping out in the full power of God. I mean, let's, let's really talk about that this morning. Can we, really, can we really navigate through this? Because I think a lot of us, we go, Pastor, how come I'm not seeing blind eyes open? How come I'm not seeing deaf ears here? How come I'm not seeing miracles and breakthrough and, and these huge miracles? What, what's the problem? And a lot of us don't want to hear it, but Jesus confronts the main issue. What is the main issue? It's unbelief. And I know that's hard for a lot of us to hear because we say, well, pastor, I'm a Christian. And can you imagine, can you imagine the disciples for a moment and Jesus confronting them about their unbelief? Oh, Jesus, I left, I left my fishing business, Jesus, for you. How can you tell me that I'm, I have unbelief? I've seen miracles. I've done this. I've done that. I've left everything for you, Lord. How dare you insult me? But, friends, you can be a Christian for a long time. You can have a perfect church attendance, but still be wrestling with unbelief in your heart. And Jesus confronts it. And we see that word unbelief in the Greek actually means unfaithful, faithless. And what's interesting is this, it means to have something that is not trusted, that you don't trust. It's like anybody here ever sit on a, <clears throat> a chair that wasn't strong? Anybody know? Some of you are like, yeah, right here in this church. Some of you are like, hey, they're like 50 years old, okay? Come on, these chairs are getting old sometimes. You got to be careful, man. You sneeze in church, the pews will fall apart. But you know, there, there have been times where, man, I, I put my trust into something that was faulty and it didn't keep me up or didn't work. 
And what he deals with is he actually deals with the fundamental principle in their life of a trust issue, the trust factor. Do you really trust me? Do you really believe in my power? Do you really believe that I'm able? And he confronts that. And what he confronts is, let's just look at this. I want you to just, everybody just bear with me here. I want you to imagine for a moment a demon-possessed boy is running all over the place and, and is foaming at the mouth. It is a sticky situation. It's a little scary. It's a little intimidating. And the dad's like, please set my, my boy free. I want him healed. Help me out. And you're like, uh, this is scary. So let's just be real. The reality of it is if it was any one of us, the reality is probably most of us would be intimidated. Most of us would probably be be fearful a little bit, like, man, what's going to, am I going to get rabies if this, if this guy bites me? Like, like what's going on? And all these different thoughts, all these different emotions begin to take over. But what Jesus deals with is not necessarily the intimidation, even though the, the devil wants to intimidate you. Can I, can I say this? Because if the devil wants to intimidate you, if he can intimidate you, he can cause you to back up instead of move forward. The devil doesn't want you confronting him. The devil doesn't want you resisting him. He's going to do everything he can to intimidate you. So he'll always make things seem bigger than they really are. He'll make things seem more difficult than they really are. And so then now we're captivated by fear instead of faith. But what Jesus really deals with as he confronts this unbelieving generation is a lack of maturity. What he really deals with is immature faith, weak faith. A faith that is affected by circumstance. It's even what Pastor Colleen said, that quote of Catherine Coleman. It's, it's this faith that is affected by circumstances instead of a faith that affects the circumstance. It's a faith that is actually vulnerable to the attacks of the enemy. And that's what Jesus is confronting with his disciples and confronting with the religious rulers just saying, look, you are unbelieving. That means you are immature in your faith. You lack the substance, the integrity of faith to actually resist the devil. You lack the integrity of faith to stand up in boldness and do what needs to be done. You lack this persistence, a, a steadfastness of faith. And we see in James chapter 1, verse 6, it's, it's definitely not one of my favorite passages in the Bible. But James chapter 1, verse 6 tells us, but when you ask, you must believe and not doubt. Because the one who doubts is like a wave of the sea blown and tossed by the wind. That person should not expect to receive anything from the Lord. Such a person is double-minded and unstable in all they do. You know, the harsh reality that many of us, myself included, if we can just be transparent, can, can we be real this morning? Can you guys allow me to be real this morning? There, there are moments where in my own personal life, the revelation of the immaturity of my faith, the weakness, the, the faith that seems in one moment to be strong, but really when the weight hits you and when it's time to lift and when it's time to deal with things, you realize how emaciated you truly are, how, how weak you truly are. 
when it's time to push, when it's time to press, when it's time to resist the devil, man, how weak I, I really am. And, and I think all of us struggle with this. And we're going we're gonna to take a journey these next few moments to really understand that there's a, a wrestling that happens. And there's a, a wrestling that takes place. And I, I want you to see this. And I, I see these two wrestlings that happen, these two enemies that we wrestle against that cause this weakening of faith, instead of there being a strengthening of faith and a, a maturity of faith, which comes through perseverance. See, the Bible lets us know that the testing of our faith develops perseverance, and what does that perseverance do? It works its way. As you, as you resist the devil, as you persevere through things, it works its way to what? Maturity. To a point where we're not lacking anything. And that's the faith in which God wants us to function in. That's what Jesus is confronting in the disciples. And he points out that there's a wrestling that happens. And I want us to look at this in, in Luke chapter 18. And this, this passage here in Luke 18 is, is quite, quite interesting. Because what it does is it there's a story where... Jesus is talking to this rich young ruler. And the rich young ruler says, look, I've been doing everything right. I've been obeying all the different commands. And what must I do now, Jesus, to be complete, to be saved, to, to, to be who I need to be? And I, what do I have to do? And Jesus says, I want you to take all your money and give it to the poor and follow me. And the guy was like, oh, man, that's a bummer because i got a lot of money. And the Bible actually says that the man went away sorrowful because he had a lot of wealth. Now, can we just make something clear? And I, I said this a few weeks ago. Let me make this crystal clear. God is not against you having possessions and you having wealth. God is not against you being blessed. God is not against you being wealthy. God's not against you having a beautiful home, driving a nice car. Come on, God's not against that. God is not against you having possessions, but rather he takes issue with possessions having you. Us being possessed by our possessions. The Bible says you cannot serve two masters. You cannot serve God and mammon. And this young man walks away sorrowfully. Why? Because he had great wealth. And, and all of a sudden it starts this conversation where the disciples are like, oh my goodness, this guy just like totally walked away from you, Jesus. He totally walked away from everything that you told him to do. And Jesus says, it's easier for a camel to go through the eye of a needle than for a rich man to inherit the kingdom of God. And so then the response of the disciples are like, oh my goodness, Lord, then, then what's the use? I mean, Lord, we've given up everything to follow you. How is this even possible? And Jesus says these remarkable words in Luke 18, 27. What is impossible with men is possible with God. What is impossible with men is possible with God. I want to take a moment to break down those two words because to me this is quite profound. That word impossible in the Greek means without strength, impotent, powerless, weak, disabled. And it, it shows us this idea or this understanding to see something, to see something that is so grandiose, the magnitude of it, the, the strength of it, that we seem weak in the midst of it. 
that it's, it's impossible. I can't do this. I don't have the strength to do it. I don't have the power to do it. I don't have, pastor, there's no possible way. There's no possible way that I can see it done. And can I tell you something? You'll never be strong enough. You'll never be great enough. You'll never be Christian enough to do the impossible because the impossible is not birthed in and of yourself. And Jesus wants to make this clear for those who are believing for the impossible, for those who are facing an impossible situation and you need God to intervene. Can I tell you, it's not going to be done in your own strength for it is not by might, it is not by power, but it is by the Spirit of the Lord. And there are moments where what you are facing seems so daunting. And you begin, it, don't we all do this? Maybe, maybe I'm the only one that does this. I begin to compare my ability to what I'm facing. When, I, when, when my wife and I, when we, when we moved to Oahu, it was, it was really funny because the week before, and some of you have heard this story, the week before I preached here and I had been the, I had been the lead pastor, the site pastor here for two and a half years. And I had the wonderful privilege to, to preach to you guys on a regular basis and share the pulpit with Dr. Morocco. And God calls my wife and I to Oahu. And, and I, I, I'm from Maui. Maui no ko'oi, cause I want no boy, bro. You know what I mean, cause cherry. Anyways, and so I'm thinking to myself, here I am, and I'm about to pastor a church in the most affluent zip code in the entire state of Hawaii. And I'm used to locals. Over here, get locals. In East Oahu, few and far between, bro. <laughs> you know what I mean? Uh, I'm just saying. Even their pigeon is different. Even their pigeon is there. Like, I, I couldn't get it. I, even their pigeon was there. Listen, I've lived in Hawaii my whole life. And you know, it's, it's trouble, bro, when you cannot understand their pigeon. You know what, can, I, can we stop for a moment? Can, I, can, we just, can we just go here for a second? Can you guys just entertain me for a moment? I'm just, just help me real quick. Because I, I grew up here, and, and here on Maui, we get, we get bratas. We get the, the pochos, you know what I mean? And some local bratas. And so the pigeon over here, bro, you got to you take them low and slow. Here calls, how you stay pretty good, eh? Oh, cherry, bro, cherry. Oh, cause, oh. Over there, it's different because there's choke Asians. No, I'm not racist. Just hear me. That's choke Asians. And so it changes the, the, over here, pochos, local brothers, it's low, slow. Over there, choke Asians, so it's high and fast. Eh, cause, high state, pretty good, eh? Oh, cause, oh, oh, cherry, 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 hey, brother, ha, hey, cause, high state, hey, oh, cause. What? Free me out. Totally different. Different culture, different everything, different pigeon. Who ever thought that there'd be different pigeon on different islands? You know what I mean? You'd be like, oh, no, God, I'm God, there's no way. Some of you guys are looking at me like, oh, my gosh, he needs Jesus. Absolutely. I absolutely need Jesus. Struggle fest. And I walk in there and the culture is so different. Everything's so unique. Everything's so different. And, and, and I, I walk in the very first Sunday to 135 adults. And Pastor Brian, we love him, bless his heart, but he had faith. And every Sunday, he would actually have the congregation stretch his hands out. He had all 1,000 chairs in the church set out in the sanctuary. 
And I walk in the double doors and there's 135 people in a thousand seat auditorium. And I'm, I'm my whole, <laughs> everything in me, I'm like, Jesus, I'm so sorry. What, where did I sin? Lord God, forgive me. What did I do wrong? What did I do to deserve this? And here I was now confronted with an impossible situation. $160,000 every single month just to be in that building. A congregation of 135 adults. I felt like every time I went up to preach, I felt like I was getting slapped in the face. I questioned, I questioned the validity of my ministry. I questioned the validity of my call. And it began to intimidate me. It began to bring fear. And, and, and really, it, it began to expose, can I be honest with you, it began to expose some of the immaturity and the lack of faith, the maturity of faith that I knew I needed, but I didn't have. And I, I thought in myself, if I could just get better at this, and if I could just get better than that, and do things in my own strength, and, and I got to increase it. And friends, I'm all about gaining more wisdom, and I'm all about getting better and, and practicing and, and moving forward in what God's called you to. But I had to, I had to realize that if we we're going to do the supernatural, natural. I could not do it in my own strength. I had to trust in God and by his grace. Friends, it is not in and of myself. I did not have what it took to get the job done. Can you, Somebody needs to hear this. You do not have what it takes to see the impossible become possible in and of yourself. You need God. You need his strength. And Jesus says it clearly. What is impossible with man is possible with God. For there is a mighty power, there is a strength that is available to you. God wants us to strengthen ourselves in him. And there is a possibility of the work of God. Can I tell you right now, God has done a marvelous thing. We now minister to close to a thousand people every single Sunday there on Oahu. He's raised up people, an army of God, uh, an army of people for God and that, that are doing wonderful things. And it's not, I can't, friends, I can't boast about it because if you were to ask me, hey, Pastor, what did you do right? Absolutely nothing. What did you do wrong? Everything. But I trusted in God. I realized that the only way that we were going to see the impossible possible was I had to trust in him. It's by his strength. So I had to wrestle with it. I had to wrestle with what I, what, what I was capable of doing and what he was capable of doing. I had to wrestle and, and confront and, and stare the impossibilities, the 160,000 every single month. I had to stare that in the face every month. And, and, and even at times, you know, I tried to justify things and, and say, well, it's not my fault. I didn't get this church in this mess. It's Dr. Morocco's fault. You know how many times I remind, you know how many times I reminded God, Dr. Morocco bought this building, Lord. It's not my fault. And now we're sitting in there debt free by the grace of God. And all the complaining, uh, uh, all the complaining, all the lack of faith, all the griping with God, getting angry, frustrated. See, God has a plan. God's got a purpose. Man. But the other thing we wrestle with is not just the impossible and the possible, but we wrestle with belief and unbelief. 
We wrestle with belief and unbelief. Mark chapter 9, verse 23, watch this. He says, if you can, said Jesus, everything is possible for the one who what? Believes. Let's say that again. Everything is possible for the one who what? Believes. And, and this is wonderful. I mean, l- listen to what this man says. He says, Lord, I, I, I do believe. And then he has this revelation. But help me overcome my unbelief. This, this recognition which I, I hope all of us as believers, no matter how long you've been in church, no matter how you perceive, how mature you perceive yourself to be in Christ, all of us can have this confession of saying, wow, Lord, help me with certain areas of my life, certain areas of my perspective and my mindset where I struggle and I wrestle with unbelief. And, you know, the, the interesting thing is some of us, we have great faith for certain things and we have a lack of faith in other things. And we're, we're trying, we're contending for a miracle, but yet there's this wrestling inside of us. Constantly we're fighting belief and unbelief and really wanting, I mean, it's like in the same sentence, almost kind of like an oxymoron. He goes, I do believe. Oh God, help me with my unbelief. Wow. The reality of the struggle and the battle that we have. That word, believe. Pistuo. In the Greek, it means to think, to be true, to be persuaded, to credit, to place confidence in. This incredible revelation that truly the validity of our faith is predicated upon the validity of who we're putting or what we're putting our faith in. That I am persuaded that he is. I am persuaded that Jesus can. I am persuaded that my God is bigger than, my God is greater than my situation. My God is greater than my sickness. My God is greater than my mountain. And this being convinced, you are persuaded. You don't need to be persuaded. You are already there. It's like, I'm, I'm done. I'm ruined. I'm convinced. And we see this in Hebrews eleven six. And without faith, it's impossible to please God. Because anyone who comes to him, now watch this. Anyone who comes to him must believe You must be convinced. You must be sold out. There's no part. There is no part. There's no portion of your belief system that is wrestling with the fact of the reality of God. I think he exists, but I don't know, but I think so, and I'm I'm pretty sure, but I I know that God... um, anybody Anybody ever been there before? I mean, let's really, let's be real with it. There have been many times like, I know God can heal me, but I, I don't know if he wants to. What? How did, how did that creep in there? Have you ever thought, I know God wants me blessed, but I, I, I don't think he wants, I, I know God can bless me, but I don't think he wants me to be. Where, where did that come from? Isn't it interesting how these lies and these incorrect perspectives of the nature and the character of God can quickly sneak in and creep in to our relationship with the Lord. Some of us believe that he can, but doesn't want to. Or some of us believe that, well, he he maybe can, or maybe he can can kind of heal in this way, but God, you know, God can't heal cancer. God can't heal sickness or diabetes. God can't heal me. Or, Or maybe, 
Or maybe we think this way, God can heal them, but he'll never heal me. Can I ask you a question? Where does that come from? Where, where is that lie fostering? Where, what really is that rooted in? Maybe it's that intimidation of the enemy. Maybe it's fear. Maybe it's disappointment. See, what's being challenged this morning is our perspective of God and the wrestling. If we can truly have the proper perspective, and Hebrews 11 says it clearly, because anyone who comes to him must believe that he exists, and what? That he is a rewarder of those who earnestly seek him. How you see God is imperative. You've got to see him with the proper perspective. And if the devil can lie to you to convince you that God is anything but good, if the devil can lie to you and convince you that God cannot provide, that God cannot intervene, that God cannot heal, friends, we will give in to a lie and it will become the foundation of our interaction with God. And instead of aligning our life to what he is capable of, we align our life to a lie. What's so amazing is that we see a God who's able. See, so we, we see this confrontation that happens and we see a, a wrestling that takes place with this, this man. He says, Lord, I, I, I believe, but please help me. Help me with my unbelief. And, and what's so profound is in this moment, we see the reality of what God is able to do, that Jesus is, is able. And friends, can I, if there's anything that you can leave with, please hear me just for a moment. If there's anything that you can leave with a confidence today to leave out of here, to say, you know what, if there's anything I got out of that message, it's that my God is able. That my God is greater than the impossibilities. That I know there's some crazy stuff that I'm facing. I know there's some situations that I'm going through right now. But my God is, is able. And you're convinced. And let me just give you some fuel. Let me give you some fuel for your fire. Ephesians chapter 3 verse 20 says this. Now to him who is able to do exceedingly, abundantly, above all that we can ask or even think according to the power that works in us, he is able to do. Come on, someone say that with me. My God is able to do. Romans chapter 8, verse 28, and we know that in all things God is able to turn all things for good for those who are, love him and are called according to his purpose. Say this, God is able to change some things. You need to write, you need to write that down and put it up on your refrigerator. God's able to change this. He's able to turn this for good. How about this one? You ready for this one? 2 Corinthians 9, verse 8. And God is able to bless you abundantly so that in all things, at all times, having all that you need, you will abound in every good work. My God is able to bless. My God is able to bless. See, he's able to do. He's able to change. He's able to bless. My, my Bible says that my God is able to save. No matter by how many or by how few, my God is able to save. It doesn't matter how many demons are against you. It doesn't matter how many people come against you. He is mighty to save in every situation. He is able to heal. He is able to make a way where there seems to be no way. you got to get a different perspective of Jesus. 
Somebody in this place this morning's got to get a different perspective of Jesus because until you can get a different perspective, the right perspective of who Jesus is, you will always have a wrong perspective of your situation. The moment you can get a revelation of the ability of Christ, the goodness of Jesus, what he is capable of, not what you're capable of in and of yourself, but what he's capable of. The moment you get that revelation, it changes what you're looking at. Because no longer are you looking at it through the lens of impossibility. No longer are you looking at it through the lens of fear, disappointment, intimidation. I'm looking at this through the lens of faith. And my faith is predicated upon his ability and who he is and what he can do. And as long as I hold on to that, man, I start seeing things different. I start, I start aligning my life to his word. And you know what's so amazing? I could, I could easily give you a three-step, this, this, this three-step process on how do we build faith. The Bible says that Faith comes by hearing and hearing the word of God. And I'm all about, you got to get into the Bible. You got to get into the Bible. You got to get into his presence. Come on, I mean, this is step one, get into the Bible. Step two, get in his presence. Step three, pray. But can I tell you something? There are moments where I don't want to. I'll be honest with you. There are moments I don't have the faith to pray. There are moments I don't have the faith to read my Bible. I don't read my stinking Bible. Anybody ever been there before? Don't look at me with that tone of voice. I know you've been there before. Because I know if I read my Bible, then I'm going to have to fix some things. And if I read my Bible, it's going to confront some of the issues in my life. And I don't want that right now. I don't want it. Let's just be real. Anybody here ever have this, this temper tantrum like me? Just a straight up fit. I don't want to have faith. I sound like my mom right now, don't I? I don't... My mom preaches like this. I don't know where she gets it from. I don't want to have faith. I kind of want to be stuck in my misery. I'm, I'm actually, I kind of, I kind of want to deal with this. I don't, I don't want to change. I don't I want to have faith. Because faith requires some things of me. Faith requires an adjustment. You know, I, the other day, God, God blessed me. God really, I got a, I, I have a really, God, God blessed me with a really nice vehicle. Stinking expensive, though, to fix. And I, my, my light turned on. My engine light turned on. I'm like, what is going on here? Oh, Lord Jesus. And they told me I had to turn my car. I'm like, I don't want to turn my car in because I knew I'd have to get a bill. You know what I'm talking about? The expense of getting things adjusted and fixed. And a lot of times what happens is we recognize if I confront this, if I have to deal with this, if I start moving forward, it's going to have to cost me. I may have to fast and pray on this one. Isn't it interesting in the New King James Version at the end of the situation with the, the son there? And the demon-possessed son, what does Jesus say? These kind only come out through fasting and praying. Man, that costs a lot. I don't know, Pastor, I don't, I don't know if I have what it takes 
to afford what it's going to cost for the breakthrough, for the miracle. I don't know if I want to give that up. I don't, I don't, know, I, I don't know if I want to have to seek and push and press and resist. Pastor, I don't, I don't know. But, but can, I, can I tell you right now, can I tell you something? It's worth it. It's, it's, it's worth the press. It's worth the push. It's worth you getting on your knees. It's worth coming to the altar. Well, Pastor, I don't want to go to the altar again because I didn't leave healed last time. Go again. It's, who cares? Just keep going. Pastor, I don't want to keep giving. If I, keep, I didn't get blessed last time. Just keep giving. If you just keep pushing, if you keep pressing, you're going to get breakthrough. If you can get this in your spirit, friends, yes, there is a cost. There is a cost to faith, but it is worth it. Why? Because your faith allows you to tap in to the incredible ability of God's power to bring impossible things to possible. But you got to shift. you got to be willing to say, I'm going to go to the word. I'm going to go to his presence. I'm going to go to prayer. I'm going to go to the altar. I'm going to keep pushing. I'm going to be persevering. I'm going to be persevering in my faith. Why? Because as I continue to persevere, it builds that faith. Don't, don't, don't be misled to think that the more you hear the word, the more it's just going to produce faith. Because the Bible says, do not simply be hearers of the word and so deceive yourself. Do, be, be, be doers. See, you got you to realize something. Yes, we need to hear. But as we step out, as we move forward, as we press as we persevere, faith gets strengthened and strengthened and strengthened. And before you know it, you're starting to see things and situations shift. Can I ask you, this week, will you be like that man who cried out to Jesus? Lord, I believe, but confront, deal with, help me to overcome my unbelief. Lord, reveal those areas, those, those areas of unbelief in my life so that I can have a mature faith. So I can have a strong faith. Why? Because nothing is impossible with God. He's able. Say it with me. He's able. He is greater than impossibilities. He is greater than the impossible. He is greater than the impossible. I hope the word encouraged you. Thank you so much for joining us here on the King Central Podcast. God bless you. Walk in power and walk in the fullness of that which God has given you.